Section thirteen of Stories in Black and White. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Wendy Almeida. The Golden Rule, Part Two, by Mrs. Oliphant. The vicar was asked into a handsome room in a hotel somewhere in Mayfair. He had got the address from Jack, who gave it with suspicion and reluctance, not knowing what his father could mean, or what he wanted dashing up to town like this. "'Do you mean to tell me you're engaged to Miss Boldero?' the vicar said. "'Why, yes, of course we are engaged. Should I have written to the mater about it, do you think, if it hadn't been true? But you never believe a word I say.' jack answered with a certain defiance i believe this jack since you say it to my face does this girl know anything about you this girl you might be more civil to my betrothed of course she knows everything she has any call to know about me and she has a father she has a father said jack beginning to feel there was trouble in the air it is right that he and i should talk the matter over said the vicar if it's about money said jack more and more alarmed they know i've got no money there is no use entering upon that there is use in entering upon a great many things the vicar said father what do you mean you are not going to you don't mean to spoil my chance cried the young man the only chance i ever may have in my life the vicar said nothing he gave his boy a look that silenced jack when had his father spoiled a chance or taken a hope away from him but there was nothing more to be said to him now it was a handsome room for a room in a hotel being the best and in the corner near the great window which commanded a glimpse of piccadilly there was seated a young lady alone a tall girl with fair hair frizzed upon her forehead an unexceptional toilette and a clear-cut imperious face there is something a little faulty something peculiar in the american mouth heaven knows all our mouths are faulty in all nations it is the peccant feature everywhere. In France they say it of the English, whose long teeth are a frequent subject of mockery. But the American mouth has a character specially its own. It is a little harsh, the merest trifle in the world underhanging, nay, too slight for any such decided expression, let us say with the underlip the least in the world protruding beyond its fellow her lips were thin except the one was next the chin but on the other hand that is too complimentary for the under lip was as thin as the other only put forward a hair's breadth it is the result i suppose in the young feminine subject of having things too much her own way she was looking at the vicar's card which he had sent up when he entered the room and she said with a little start, but without rising, Mr. Wynyard, Leighton Furness Vicarage, goodness, you are Jack's papa. Y yes, I, I am Jack's papa, 
said the vicar, half astonished, half confused, half—nay, not half, for three halves cannot be—but the very least bit amused. He took the hand she held out to him and held it for a moment. She looked a creature who might do this thing, imperious, not hesitating or counting the cost, whatever she might take into her head. "'And you also have a papa,' said the vicar. "'Yes. I suppose Jack has told you all about us, how we met him and how we did this bold thing and came after him here?' He, he did not say you had come after him. I, I should have been very angry if he had. Why? It is quite true. I liked him. I don't feel the least ashamed, better than any man I have seen. And I thought perhaps it was the money kept him back. You are so ridiculously poor in this country. Why are you so poor? So we came after him, Papa and I. Was papa aware of, of what i may call the, the object of the journey said the vicar not knowing whether to laugh out which perhaps she would not have liked or what to do oh said this young lady i never hide anything from papa he is not in i fear said the vicar yes he is in do you want him tell me first before i let you see him what are you going to tell him about jack my dear young lady the the two fathers must certainly be permitted to talk such a matter over no said the girl unless you tell me first what you are going to tell him about jack i am going to speak to him very seriously said the vicar it is a very serious thing to confide the happiness of a girl like you to a young man you scarcely know oh she said that's taking it the wrong way about confiding his happiness to me you mean oh i am not at all afraid i'll make him happy you need not make yourself miserable about that the vicar pressed his hat a hat which had a rosette as somebody has said a sort of daisy in it for he was a rural dean whatever that may be between his hands the girl's eyes were fixed upon that little symbol of ecclesiastical rank she interrupted him before he could say any more what is that for that thing in your hat you are perfectly delightful for a papa-in-law you make me more and more satisfied that i came my dear said the vicar feeling that his virtue was stealing away from him under these blandishments i must see your father why she said i am sure i will do better it is i that am to marry jack and not father i'll hear what you have got to say i called on mr boldero he said more and more anxiously permit me to ring and ask if he is in the hotel oh he is in the next room she said but he would not come in of course when he heard i was talking to somebody father she said raising her voice a door opened and a tall man put in his head do you want me childie he said i don't want you but here is a gentleman who wants you it is mr winyard papa jack's father i am happy to make your acquaintance sir said mr boldero 
both father and daughter spoke with an accent which was extremely piquant to the vicar he had scarcely ever encountered any of their country folk before and he was extremely curious about them and would had his mind been less deeply engaged have been greatly amused and delighted with their unaccustomed ways mr boldero was clad very solemnly in black and doubtless had other peculiarities besides his accent but the vicar was not at sufficient ease to remark them i heard only this morning he said of the engagement if it is an engagement between your daughter and my son jack and i came up to town instantly to see you if it is an engagement said miss boldero with indignation well sir and have you any objection said the other father will you grant me a, an interview mr boldero with pleasure isn't this an interview fire away said miss boldero's papa the vicar did not know what to say he sat still for a moment with the spirit gone out of him then he murmured almost with a supplicating tone i meant a private interview mr boldero oh said the american i have no secrets from my childy here she's full of sense and always gives me her advice besides if it is anything about jack it is she that has the best right to hear the poor vicar stared blankly in the face of this man who being a man and his own contemporary ought surely to have understood him he had thought that no man could have been more surprised than he had been this morning by the news of jack's engagement but he was more surprised now my dear sir he said it is impossible that i can say what i have to say in, in the presence of miss boldero oh never mind me said the young lady he has come to tell you something against jack papa i ought to be here it will be more fair said mr boldero it is just simply indispensable said his daughter the vicar felt the obstinacy of despair come into his being he said this is a very serious matter i must talk to you alone for heaven's sake grant me ten minutes when your child's happiness is at stake it is not all such easy work such plain sailing as you seem to think father said miss boldero if he tells you jack has another wife living or anything of that sort promise me you'll not believe him she raised herself slowly from her seat no i'll not believe him without proof i shan't with volumes of proof but i'll go away though i consider it very uncivil and just like an englishman to treat a woman in this contemptuous way you said ten minutes mr winyard i'll come back in ten minutes to hear what all this fuss is about the young lady retired accordingly she had a fine graceful figure and moved languidly swinging a little to one side and another as some tall people do and she went no further than to the next room where it would not have been difficult to hear all that passed but one could not see that young person and suspect her of listening at a door well said mr boldero out with it now is there another wife living 
I'll have to see all the papers before I'll believe that of Jack. Another wife, cried the vicar. God bless my soul. What can you be thinking of? Jack is not a villain. Then there is not another wife? Well, that's a relief. What was a man to think? You're so dreadfully in earnest. If it ain't that, it's all right. But it is not all right, said the vicar. Mr. Boldero, do you know my son has not a penny? That is, there will be a mere trifle when we are both dead, his mother and I. But she's young yet, thank God. Stop a moment. And he is only a clerk in my friend Bullock's office, earning little. And it breaks my heart to say, deserving little. An idle young dog, more fond of pleasure than of work. One can see as much as that, having, as you may say, the pleasure of his acquaintance, with half an eye. And there is more behind, said the vicar, very pale. Don't make me blame my own boy more than I can help. God knows what it costs me to speak, but I can't let the happiness of another young creature be thrown away. Meaning childy, said Mr. Boldero. She's pretty well able to look after that herself. Hello, you're not feeling faint, are you? Stop a moment. I've got something handy here. Never mind, said the vicar, waving him away. Never mind. I, I'm all right. Mr. Boldero, do you understand what I say? Can I say anything stronger to make you understand? I dare not let you trust your daughter's happiness to Jack without telling you. Here, old man, take this and sit down and keep quiet till you come to yourself. And to tell the truth, a mist was coming over the vicar's eyes. He laid his head back, and the room seemed to be gyrating round him. His heart was beating loud in his ears, and the tall figure standing before him with a glass in its hand seemed some kind of solemn demon tempting him to an unknown fate. He swallowed what was given to him, however, and slowly came to himself the walls sinking into the perpendicular, and the tall American in his black coat becoming recognizable once more. "'You want to know now, I suppose,' said the other father, "'how the young folks are to live. I'm pretty comfortably off, and she's all I have in the world. "'Are you sure you understand me? Do you know what I mean?' said the vicar in despair. I know what you say fast enough, but what you mean is beyond me, unless it be to put a spoke in your son's wheel, which is more than I can understand, I'll allow. The vicar did not say a word. They would think it at home, too, that he had tried to put a spoke in his son's wheel, and Jack would think it with more reason. But he felt that he had not another word to say. "'Have you got anything more to tell me in this hole-and-corner way?' the other father asked. The vicar shook his head. "'What does it matter what I have to say when you won't believe me?' he said. "'Then I reckon I may as well have her back. Here, childie,' said Mr. Boldero. And the door opened widely, and the young lady sailed in. "'Well, Papa,' she said, 
Well, childy, this old gentleman wants us to understand that his son is a bad lot, earns no money to speak of, and deserves less. He's just good for nothing, as far as I can make him out. Not fit to be trusted with your happiness, he says. Father, said Miss Boldero, who is talking of trusting Jack with my happiness? Is it the woman that asks the man to make her happy, or the man that asks the woman? As a matter of fact, it's the man. But I don't know that it always holds good. I must allow there is a doubt on that. There is no doubt in my mind, said the young lady. Jack's happiness is going to be trusted to me, and I'll take care of it. If Mr. Wynyard has any objection to me, he has got a right to say it. I ain't quite so clear of that, said Mr. Boldero. Jack's of age. He's a man, and he has a right to choose for himself. The old gentleman has no call to have any voice in it. Now, the vicar had gone on for a long time, hearing himself called the old gentleman, and had borne it. Though at sixty, when a man is well and strong, it is an appellation which he feels to be half ludicrous and half injurious. But at last the moment had come when he could bear no more. The old gentleman, he said, as you call me, has no desire to have a veto on his son's choice. You, you are a very pretty young lady, and charming, I'm sure. But I don't know what are your other qualities, Miss Boldero. You, you must excuse me if I go now, for, for I have said everything I have to say. Go, cried the girl, without even having your luncheon? You who are going to be my papa-in-law? Or a drink, said her father. Yes, I had to give him a drink, or he would have fainted on my hands. Sir, if I must not call you an old gentleman, I'm a great one for knowing motives. What was your meaning in coming here today? His meaning, of course, was to make acquaintance with me, Papa, and see what sort of girl I was. Childy, let alone with your talk for one short moment, and let him speak. The vicar stood up and would have gone away if he could. But the tall black figure opposite barred the way and demanded an answer. And indeed the answer was hard to give, for a man somehow finds it very hard to say that he has done anything, whatever it may be, simply from the highest motive of all. The vicar felt this deeply, though he was an old gentleman, and though to be religious was, as you may say, his profession. He was often not at all abashed to avow a mean motive. But when you think of it, it requires a great deal of courage to claim to be carrying out the charge of the gospel. When he spoke, his voice faltered, and his ruddy old face was like a rose. Sir, he replied, adopting without knowing it the style of his questioner, I have been preaching all my life what my master said whatsoever you would that that men should do unto you do ye also unto them there was a little pause in the room and though the rattle of the carriages in the streets and the sound of the men with the flowers calling all a-blowing and a-growing came in very distinctly yet the effect was as if you could have heard a pin fall the boldest held his breath for a time that is to say, even Miss Boldero, though she was not quite clear what it was all about, did not say a word. 
At last, "'That gentleman's Jack's father, Childy,' said Mr. Boldero slowly. "'I'm not in the running with the likes of him. If you don't train that fellow up to do his father credit, I'll never believe in you again.' "'I will, Papa,' said the girl, as if she were making a vow. Jack Wynyard strolled in in the afternoon, very carefully dressed, with a flower in his coat, but with much trouble in his mind. Why did his father come up to town so suddenly? What was it he was so anxious to say? The young man's conscience told him pretty clearly what it was, and he went to the hotel to fulfill his engagement with his betrothed, expecting little but to be met by her father and sent about his business as the result of what his own father had said but no such reception awaited him he found miss boldero in her prettiest toilette waiting for him and oh jack said that young lady there has been the sweetest old gentleman here with a button in his hat saying all sorts of things about you he said you were not fit to be trusted with my happiness and i said no but i was to be trusted with yours and we are going down to the vicarage to stay do you hear to stay and make acquaintance with everything and papa has fallen fathoms deep in love with him and you are to behave sir like a saint or an angel or i will lose all my credit with everybody from this day the vicar went home i need not say with a load lifted from his heart he had delivered his soul and yet he had not injured jack but that was because the people whom he had warned in the discharge of his bounden duty were such people as never were they know everything at least he said to his wife and emily who met him with much anxiety at the gate both of them looking ten years older i have not concealed anything from them but how it will all end god knows end of section thirteen